0: episode of chocolate with a side of medicine i am one of your hosts i'm dr chris and i am joined always by my lovely co-host we got dr Nono. hey i'm back we got dr <laughs> sunshine good evening y'all and last but not least we got amy joe md hey y'all and i want to take the uh, time to say thank you guys for listening to us and supporting us we appreciate it we always love that we love the love, keep giving kisses, us the love. Kisses, kisses. Questions, all those things. How's everybody doing? Like first off, I know there's there's the championship men's um, college basketball game that's about to happen soon. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see that, especially since I am so mad that I missed the, the Duke game. game. I, I, can't can't, believe, I can't believe! I can't! I'm so it. mad! It was,
1: I it was a it. great game. It was a great game. <sighs> they
0: don't replay it. Mm,
1: if you got ESPN yeah, Plus, like, yeah. Yeah, they might play. Oh no, no, uh, no! It's yeah. gonna be hard to find. It'll probably be on the classics. But the the Duke UNC game came on um, TBS. Yeah, it
0: was on. Saturday. So I don't. It was on... I don't know how I, they get, replay. Usually so. they replay stuff, right? On TBS? No, mm. maybe TNT. I don't
2: know. Mm. Not for not during the mm. I didn't get. I didn't mm. get to see it. I was at a one year old birthday party. Mm. Which,
1: mm.
0: I,
2: y'all listen.
1: But at the time that the game was on.
0: Like,
2: wait, just, wait,
0: like, wait, hold on. How you do a birthday party for a baby at 10 At the 10? time of the game. It was late.
2: Listen, you know what's interesting though? I, I feel like I like to reserve all of my thoughts and feelings because I don't have kids, right? So there was a lot of energy and a lot of money and time that went into this one-year-old birthday party. It was like the biggest bash I've ever seen. And I'm like, yo, this kid is not even going to remember this. There's nah. all types of like so many people it was outside we were there all day it was like a 12-hour affair it was a lot
3: oh it was more, that's more for the parents, parents like they they see. care about the, kid. the kids Kids was more. yeah
2: yeah that's- it was just people around there's lots of music food everything just cake pinatas everything y'all it was just oh that that sounds a lot was, of fun though it was a it was a lot but but i missed the entire game i knew the game was on but i couldn't watch the game so yeah, you could have. You could have watched mm. it on your phone, couldn't you? Mm-mm. It was a, it was an outdoor event. There weren't any TVs. Oh, you just need some Wi Fi mm. though. So I could watch it on my phone? I, no, there was too many. There's it was a lot happening. Fully committed to the moment. I right. understand. There's two thi- right. there's two things happening. One, I was trying to be fully committed to the moment, and then two, I was kind of like ducking and dodging all these children because it's been a very long time since I've been around so many children. And even though the event was outside, you know, there was like ice cream and like candy and you know, all these kids are sticky and they're running around, it's COVID and I'm like, ah, I haven't done this in a long time. I was just real like who don't touch me. I don't know you can't. Right. You know what I mean? I was where like, ah, Where's your mom at? You know what I mean? Like getting out the bounce house, extra sticky and I'm like, Okay. okay.
1: Uh-huh. Oh man.
2: You know, but and it's crazy because I love kids. Like any other day, any other time of the year, like if it wasn't a pandemic, if they weren't covered in ice cream and lollipops and churro, cinnamon sugar all over their face. <laughs> I'm like, listen, <laughs> any other time I'd be cool, but now I'm just like is trying not to catch COVID, y'all.
3: The way you're describing it, it sounds like they just rolled around and all this stuff, and then just came up to you and said, hey.
2: <laughs> that's how they do. I mean, that's how they do. And kids are super friendly, and then they're just like, it'd be something simple. They're like, excuse me, excuse me, can you help me reach this? So I'd be like, yes, here, there you go. All right, bye, bye, bye. Get it. <laughs> I, I, I
0: don't know about <laughs> y'all, but I went to a one-year-old. It was actually my goddaughter's one-year-old, party. Oh, I think I had way more fun than most people did. <laughs> I was... I didn't talk to no kids. There was a bubble. There was a, a bubble show, which I missed because I was a little sad about that. And um they had cotton candy, had like a funnel cake, Oreos. It was Ooh. lit. I didn't get to go in the bouncy house. I was sad about that. And then there was like a little <laughs> a little table where they had like little sunglasses, and like you could sit, and it was real cute. And I was just watching to see when I could steal them, because you know kids don't want them, so I wanted it, and I definitely stole one, and I took one home. With me. <laughs>
2: you know know what was nice i'm gonna show y'all i I had a great time (laughs) well while we were there there was like a caricature guy and he drew me oh "Oh, yeah that's cute we had they had a caricature guy like oh this is
1: serious
2: yeah they had a caricature guy Like chris just said they had funnel cakes they had funnel cakes crates churros ice cream they had it was like i'm like this is a a lot of mine. it was
0: great it was great oh and mine had face painted too so you know i also got my my face painted and i got a character sure
2: oh. yo chris had more time more fun than the kids chris i did play. i Nothing. did.
0: I had a great time it was fun
2: she's I'll like again
0: let's do it <laughs> <laughs>
2: A trending topic, so I assume it's no no because no no never jumps in with her topic, she always sit and waits for someone to say, Hey, no no, is it you? So I'm assuming it's no no.
3: I mean, you're just building up anticipation, you know? <laughs> ah, <laughs> yes. yes, right? So, obviously, the big hit I'm not focusing on that, but I'm focusing on the reason for that. So, as y'all know, Will and Chris got into it. Um, did not end well for Will, it looks like. I don't know what's going on with Chris. I think Tony Rock was gonna come after Will for saying these things and hitting his brother, but I don't know. I don't know the aftermath of that. It but the whole incident kind of brought up more about you know what Jada is dealing with, and that's more about her alopecia. So I just wanted to like take some time to talk about it because it is a it's actually a really big issue that you know disproportionately affects African American women than any other race. And not a lot of people know about it. You know, they just kind of come in and say, hey, you know, you got a little bald spot here and there. Um, You know, what what are we doing about that? And it can be due to so many different things. But at the very base of it, alopecia is an autoimmune disorder that affects the hair follicles and actually can cause parts of your hair not to grow. And there's different parts of alopecia. I'm not sure which one Jada is dealing with, but there's uh, different types of alopecia where The component is if you, you know, usually with a lot of African-Americans, we, you know, have like braids and we pull back our hair and like ponytails and that can actually tear the hair out from its root and you can lose hair that way. Um, And there's other conditions where, you know, you actually have a breakdown of the hair follicle and you just have a little bald spot that, you know, hair just doesn't grow in. Um, But there's different treatments for this. It's not permanent in most cases. And if you see a derm, Uh, to kind of talk to you more about those treatments and it is very fixable so I just want to know if you guys have any more thoughts about that I think uh, first of all I think Will was completely out of hand I think he probably could have handled that a lot better and now he's like expelled from the academy and all this other shit so I don't he's probably dealing with something else on top of that but um, I guess this is I guess now it's a you know great spotlight for alopecia and everyone's now talking about it so
2: I doubt that people are focusing on the alopecia portion. Well, the they're body. not. Some you're... people are, some people are, but I, 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 I doubt that they're, per- <laughs> that right. they're
3: really focused. I think on the that. doctors are focusing on the part of it, but everyone else is like, Oh she, you see Will and you know, he clocked, clocked, where, uh, Chris Rock, blah, 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 And that's, that's where all the time. Well, from.
2: I also don't, I don't watch red table talk. So I don't, you know, apparently she did like, you know, a whole segment on this and everything and I don't, I don't watch it. So I was unaware Jada does a lot of things with her hair historically over time. So I just thought it was just a personal choice and she's beautiful either way. Like that to me was just, you know, like Jada historically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, I like, thought the
0: same thing too, because I saw that she was bald when I saw her, cause I watched the Oscars real time this time. And, um, I never usually do but
2: <laughs> and when I saw her I was like oh she looks fly she
0: always looks fly
2: she's been rocking she's been rocking up you know like a fade yeah. for a while because I follow her on Instagram but I'm like oh that's fly and I was like it looks great and then also I think her
0: daughter is also bald as well so I thought it was mm-hmm, a thing mm-hmm. I didn't know she had anything because like,
1: black women you know we black women were look right. amazing like I have seen so many like you know, faded, low-cut, you know, mm-hmm. Black women. And I'm like, dang,
3: that looks good like, on you. Uh, so, yeah, like, yeah. We, our, our Congresswoman, like she, you know, when she came out with her uh, diagnosis, she came onto the, the floor rocking that bald head. And I'm like, right. go ahead, girl, you look great. Right, so, but even more importantly, I think Black women
1: sometimes rock it on purpose and with cause, right? And right, so seeing right. a CNA, for me, seeing a Black woman with a bald head does not immediately indicate to me that something is wrong right I agree. Oh, something must be wrong and so um that was one thing i have so many thoughts I, all my all my thoughts around damn you will for making me have to be thinking about this like i went to um i went to aew their their wrestling events and to be sitting around a bunch of white people that's like will him will him will him like damn you will look what you done did now I got all these white people out here <laughs> chanting your name because they want somebody to get smacked. like damn mm. see what you done did now you can mess up the whole thing right look at them out here so that was my one thought. And then I was thinking about even the joke itself. And so, of course, you know, when it first happened, I was getting all these links, like, check this out. Open this up. You going to talk about this? And I'm like, what are y'all talking about? And so he was talking about, like, G.I. G. I. Jane 2. Now, I don't know about y'all, but G.I. Jane was my movie. And all yeah. I want to say <laughs> is, is that when she walked in there and shaved her head, I was like, oh, she about to whoop some ass around here. Like, I thought it was, like, right. the <laughs> baddest moment ever. So for me... When you say you bought the G.I. Jane too, I'm like, oh hell yeah, because she out here looking bad as hell. So I I got the joke, but I don't know that I felt this deep, you know, attack on alopecia or or, or Jada t- or anything. Or attack like on that. black
2: women or, or attack on, on a, black women. Like I was like,
1: wait a on, minute. Yeah. When I watched G.I. Jane, I was like, come on, Debbie. Come on, like right. don't ring that right. damn bell, right? right. Was an empowerment right.
3: Move for her to like shave her head and yes, that's it was a
1: major power right. move, what right? Get that sand out your eye. Don't you dare touch that bell, shave your head and go ahead and one, two, punch him. Uh, because after <laughs> that, you know, she was like, suck my dick, sir,
0: you know. Um, and I was like, nice. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Ooh, go to war. <laughs> Marine, Marine I love, like, I love it I love it because the listeners cannot see all of the I stuff all over you it was just, the like, moment acting the
1: whole thing out it was the moment it was the moment like when like I don't know if anybody's even seen it right some of y'all might be too young to remember this but watch the movie like when she no it's her a head. good movie
2: it's a good movie the, mu-
1: the music star you know when the music star you shake your head Dun, uh, uh. <laughs> to shave my head. I ain't coming to play with y'all. I'm for right. play play. I'm about to look some ass around here. So you know I was like talk
3: with MDs and I condone violence. Let me put that out there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Only in a movie. Only in a movie y'all <laughs> god I'm just playing. Um but you know so I was just like man it just felt it felt like a overreaction that we're now backdooring into alopecia. Now I grew up with a my my sister had alopecia. Um back when I didn't even know what alopecia was, the definition of it, like we were teenagers. That is trauma. Because you know, when you're young, you know, you're you're trying to make your hair do what all of the mainstream things are. And so when we were teenagers, cutting your hair off was like, not necessarily the thing to do, right? Or having natural hair for women who decided, I don't want all this chemical insult, like it wasn't it. So watching my sister go through alopecia and you know alopecia is weird like um dr nono was saying there's some moments where you might just grow it and it might be growing full and then some trigger happens some autoimmune response and you just kind of just lose it right so the watcher kind of cycle in and out of like oh lost a patch okay full head of hair oh lost two big patches full head of hair lost your whole hair full head of hair like it was that roller coaster and and so alopecia itself can be very traumatic for women Um, traumatic for all women but I think in in black communities black hair just has a whole so many layers I get that I am down for awareness for alopecia for black women and for the trauma that it can cause I don't know that that moment was all about that
2: I agree. I don't think it, I don't think it was at all. I actually think Chris Rock is an innocent bystander. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. Will is dealing with a whole bunch of other stuff and I think it goes way deeper than that and Chris Rock was just the wrong person who told the wrong joke at the wrong time. I think he honestly he's just an innocent bystander because yeah. I'm like I don't know what's going on with Will and all these different layers. I also did not read Will's book and every one of my friends I read Will's book was giving me these 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 think pieces. <laughs> of what was said in his book and how it reflects in his actions, especially right now. So I don't watch Red Table Talk. I didn't read Will's book. I've actually been on Jada and Will Overload for a very long time. And I actually don't care to hear any more details about their life. That's me personally, Dr. Sunshine. Like, I'm fine. I tapped out years ago. Like, yeah, well, you pre, know like much. pre-entanglement, pre-entanglement. I, think- I was like, I'm tapped out. So this is just another layer of, you know, the public, being present for something that one of them is going through and I'm I'm not I'm not really here for it. Well
0: the thing that kind of tripped me, which I thought that was crazy is like when he said the joke, Will was laughing. And then he looked at Jada. Jada did not look happy at the joke. He looked at her and then that's when it became a problem because it kind of just looked like he was laughing. He got the joke and he thought it was funny. And then Will saw his wife wasn't happy and then he was like "Uh oh I got to do something
1: and Jada is a whole celebrity out here in these streets like this is not the first joke that somebody cracked at right. her and we right. black y'all right, right. if you ever been to a black oh. comedy show like you be sitting in the front so it, like I want to laugh you dig it
3: into your soul with those do things.
1: not move <laughs> if oh you if you move the wrong way and they look down here you could be next like yeah. sit real still <laughs> no black person's ever been more nervous than sitting the first three rows of a comedy show
3: right you oh, know really. like yeah, I just you like can look get the roasted wrong. at any time I ain't looking directly at the person you know you don't make yes. eye contact. Fact, otherwise, you I just can't god. do I that know.
1: don't That's make true. eye contact definitely don't have to use the bathroom empty your bladder before the show starts and don't laugh loud right because right. if they look at you they'd be like oh you laughing funny you'd be like oh no i'm about to get roasted like it's the
2: most terrifying <laughs> I, like, um,
3: I like in the nutty professor remember when, yeah uh, I, oh my god when Chappelle came out sorry I had all those jokes on uh eddie murphy I'm like, yes that, that is that is that happens in real life so. And, yeah. and I was so sad that it happened because that was the
0: first time like for real though the Oscars was real black like I was mm-hmm. I was here for it I was enjoying it I was like oh look at all these performances I actually watched pretty much well almost the whole show I didn't watch it at the end because you know it was way past my bedtime and I was like oh they running over I can't do this I gotta go to sleep but um, <laughs> but it was so like entertaining right and Megan the Stallion was on mm-hmm. they they had the the songs from Encanto like I was here for it, and the, like...
2: and the producer was a black man as well. Shout out to you Like there was a lot of there was right. a lot of black people working behind the scenes too. Yes. It was a very black.
0: It was a very black no, production, no, and then for no. this to happen, and I just kind of felt like I don't know, I and, I, probably,
1: and you didn't hear like... about all that stuff until after the fact. So like right, all these right. amazing, um, all these amazing things happen, and they're posting them on the back end, but it seems to be overshadowed by yeah, the wheel out thing. here in these streets, you know
3: because I didn't watch the the Oscars real time but when Samuel Jackson like Denzel presented his award I thought that was the cutest moment because you know Samuel Jackson has a long like great career you know he also dealt with a dealt with addiction uh, at some point mm-hmm. during his life and you know I just saw like you know the joy that Denzel got from presenting him this award and it was so cute like he got up there they were hugging and then Samuel got to the podium. He was like, oh, man, you got to come back here. And I gave him another hug and then started a speech. And it was it was so cute. You know, at the end of the day, I think I wish that did not happen between Will and Chris. But like Dr. Chris said, it was a great event. And, you know, there were a lot of Black uh, um, actors and actresses there that, you know, got represented. And that was that was great.
2: I do, have to, I do have to make a statement on behalf of the LGBT community because I can't be on here and not make this statement. So there's a lot of discussion about this and especially about comedians and the jokes that they make. So, especially given the last, I'll say two to three years in the LGBT community, especially when it was time for like the Dave Chappelle, his jokes, the specials and things he was making fun of like people in the LGBT community, making fun of trans people. And you know, what felt like mainstream America was like, Oh guys, relax, relax. It's just jokes, right? These are just jokes being too sensitive. These are just jokes. Right. So then, turn around, we have the Oscars. Chris Rock is making jokes, right? These are just jokes, right? Like, these are just jokes. Will goes up, has this moment, slaps Chris Rock. And a lot of people are like, oh, man, Chris Rock went too far. He talked about a medical condition. He went too far. He went too far. And, of course, the LGBT community is like, wait, guys, we thought these were just jokes. So are these just jokes or is it going too far? Which one is it? And the problem with comedy is that the line's always been blurry. Mm -hmm. right? Historically, the line has always been blurry. If you go back to Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, before that, the line for comedy has always been blurry. So then who's the one that says, oh man, that's a step too far. Talking about trans people too far. Talking about medical conditions going too far. Talking about black women, specifically wives of celebrities. Is that too far? The real answer is none of it's really too far because it's comedy and it's subjective, right? Right. So I think that that was also something that like, A subset of the community was also like, hey, guys, now that it's offending you or people are like, oh, well, that's offensive to black women. That's offensive to medical conditions. It's like, yeah, well, let's all be sensitive to what everybody might be triggered by. Right. Hmm. Everybody's triggered by different things. Will got triggered. I don't know about what I don't even think it had to do with Chris Rock or the joke, really. But Will got triggered. Fine. But I think it's a I think it's just a little PSA to just be aware that comedy is subjective. Lots of lines are crossed. And ultimately, you don't know what triggers other people. And it is what it is. You can't change the rules for it to fit you and your particular point at the moment. Life doesn't work like that. Yeah. That's all.
1: Mm-hmm. You know what You know what kind of irritates me is we keep saying people, not us, but people keep mm-hmm. saying, you know, well, they kind of both out of line. Chris Rock made a joke about alopecia. No, Jada was sitting her fine ass in the front. In a bad green dress with the Mm -hmm. baddest low haircut. We acting like Jada was out here looking raggedy with little ball patches like sitting, (laughs) you know, on her head. Jada was looking flawless, okay? So when Chris Rock is sitting there looking across the room and he's seeing Jada, he's not seeing some woman that looks like they're in distress, right? He is seeing a woman that is rocking a bad short hairstyle. And as we said earlier, black women have been rocking this hairstyle and making it look like no effort for a long time. So no, I that Chris Rock did not look and go, ooh, look at that alopecia over there. I'm about to get her right now. I cannot help it. No, that's not what happened. We gotta stop. I blame Will for this. Are these jokes or not? Nah?
2: No, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a little aggressive there. A little aggressive there.
2: No, oh, that's how aggressive those tweets were. And you know, because because especially when you're someone like, listen, I'm a black woman in the LGBT community. You know, I have lots of cross sections, so I see all these tweets and people are real passionate. I'm like, listen, y'all, let's just add a little, let's add a little grace and 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 logic to mm-hmm. some of this. That's I all. I can't
3: do it. Mm-mm.
2: i know not on twitter they ain't trying to listen to give people grace and logic like they ain't trying to listen to that but i'm aware of this is how people feel passionately because it's on my timeline That's all.
1: yes let's get into it y'all yes so
2: get into it yeah get into it yeah
1: today on this day The Lord has made
2: the day that Lord has made.
1: We are talking about diabetes. Mm, We just have to diabetes, diabetes, diabetes. 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 Diabetes.
3: Y'all
2: remember the band,
1: the commercial, yes. (laughs) You got the sugar.
2: Yeah, my nana would be watching Prices Right, and that commercial would come on about 10 times all the Prices Right is on. Diabetes. diabetes. I'm like, why is it like that? And I'm like, who let him well, say that? for that diabetes. or
3: legendary. I love it. Like Man.
1: Um, so, yeah, it goes by many names. <laughs> In our office, we call it diabetes. Y'all call it the sugar. Mm-hmm. Diabetes. <laughs> All kind of stuff, but we need to talk about it. We're going to keep it really simple because diabetes can take us a lot of different places, but I want y'all to get it in small doses. And so today we just need to just have a conversation about what it is, why we even care, and what's the danger on not taking the next best steps. That's it. We ain't talking about no medicines because we can get into so many different things, but just why it's important, right? So, I had to actually pull up the the latest um numbers on it and they always lag behind about a year or two. So the CDC um is saying that now in the US about 37.3 million people of all ages have are di- have diabetes. So like 11.3% of the population, 11% of the population has diabetes. 8.5 million of those people or about 23% of that population is undiagnosed. So somebody right now that you know is walking around peeing like a racehorse, and they don't, they don't know why. I don't know why I keep peeing. I keep drinking these Pepsi's, but I pee. So um it's just it's just happening to them. And that becomes a problem. That becomes a problem for lots of different reasons. In addition to that, pre-diabetes, y'all. Pre-diabetes, before you really get the diagnosis, there are about 96 million people, 18 years and up, which is about 38% of the population that are pre-diabetic. There are 26.4 million people age 65 and up that are pre-diabetic. So when you think about all of those people, I mean, half of us are sweet as can be inside and out. Like it's just a sugary fest going on right now in the U.S. <laughs> um, And so the reason I want to talk about it is that a bunch of y'all got it and you don't know, right? A bunch of y'all have it and you don't know or you're in denial about it. And so we need to kind of put some definitions on it, be it so we can call it how you see it, right? So um, for family medicine doctors like us, like ourselves, Diabetes is probably one of the most common diagnoses we give out. We give it out multiple times a week. Like there's not a week that goes by that we don't talk about diabetes like
2: we give it out like candy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <Da-dun-ding>. <laughs> yeah. And um it's it's hard to hammer people. I don't know about y'all, but I find that sometimes it is so hard to hammer down people's willingness to accept the diagnosis mm-hmm. it's 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 ridiculous so let me tell you why let me here's the here's the diagnosis here's how we diagnose you with diabetes we take some lab work. So one of two things, either we never thought that you were a candidate for having diabetes and somehow we just took some random blood work and almost all of your random blood work, I'm going to see a glucose, which is sugar. I'm going to see a level of that. That glucose level tells me how much sugar is in your blood right now. Like at the time I got the blood out of your body, this is the level of your blood sugars. And if that number, and because all of y'all got my chart now, you see them before Mm -hmm. we do. If that number, check, pull out your my chart. I know y'all listening. Go on and, you know, swipe up, pull out your my chart. Look at your complete metabolic panel or your basic metabolic panel. If your blood sugars are 126 or higher, you got diabetes or pre-diabetes. It's that easy, right? If it's one, two, six or more.
2: Well, assuming you were fasting for your blood.
1: Assuming you were fasting.
2: If, you're, if you were fasting and it's 126 or above, correct.
1: Then you, my friend, are diabetic. And people be out here reasoning all kinds of stuff. Oh, it was the cake that I had last night. I don't care about the <laughs> cake you had last night. If it is a fasting window, like you had at least eight hours, but most people do eight to 12, eight to 12 hours of no food. And you still manage to score a 126 of your glucose. You got mm-hmm. diabetes. That is what it is. Or we thought you may have diabetes and we went ahead and checked an A1C. If that A1C is 6.5 or higher, you have diabetes. If your A1C is 5.7 to 6.4, if it's in that range, you are pre-diabetic. If your A1C is 5.6 or less, you're still safe, my friend. Um... But those are the numbers. And I, and I want people to know, like, those are the numbers. Those are non-negotiable numbers. And here's why we like that A1C, because, look, we'd be out here, you know, fighting y'all on these numbers. Your A1C is telling me what your blood sugars have looked like over the past three months, right? So sugar is sticky. And it sticks to lots of stuff in your body, namely your red blood cells. Your red blood cells have a very specific lifespan. In general, it's about three months. So when we look at your A1C, we're looking to see how sticky is this red blood cell? Like just how much sugar is it is covering it? And that's that tool gives us the number on your A1C. So over three months, depending on how much sugar has been floating around in your system, that should really not be in there like that. I can tell you just how advanced or how improved or how stable your blood sugar is. You need to know this so we can save you the the long speech you're going to give me about how the only reason why your blood sugars were elevated was because your cousin's birthday was last week and y'all had a good time and it was a family barbecue and you had lots of food and you don't <laughs> normally eat like that. That's the only reason why it's elevated, right? Or it was your birthday month last week. You had to turn up. You had cake Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then you had a party on Sunday and then you had Limited mimosas for brunch. I hear you, but that's not why your A one C is elevated. Your A one C is elevated because you've been (laughs) brunching Monday through Friday for the past three months.
3: That's it. That's it. That's a lot to keep up. I don't know if I can do that. Shoot.
1: That I mean, you know um, that that's just the reality of it, and so that's the facts, y'all. So what I need y'all to know is that we're not diagnosing you enough. And we're humans too, right? We feel but ba- we kind of feel bad to tell people that really feel devastated, like, oh, tell me anything, but don't tell me I have diabetes, and now I'm looking at this A1C of 7.6, and I'm like, but you do so. Um, we need to diagnose you more, you need to go get your lab work, you need to not be afraid to, to do it because if you don't, there is trouble. Why does this even matter? It is because. People who have diabetes or pre-diabetes, I have had to tell lots of people, just because you're pre-diabetic, do not think you cannot have the same symptoms as a full-bone diabetic. Diabetes can cause blindness, amputations, kidney failure, put you on dialysis, heart disease, it can mess with your vessels, right? So vessels, fingers, toes, penises, and nose, if you don't like those things, keep your diabetes <laughs> untreated. But if you do like those things, you need to know your status. Are you diabetic or not? And if you are, what do we need to do about it? So, so that's the, that's the, the basics of, you know, diabetes. And so this is, I don't know about y'all, but I literally give this speech several times a day, every day in my clinic.
2: But I think every, I think every patient's different too, because when, when you do break the news that the patient does have diabetes, you have to, well, I try my best to meet the patients where they are. Usually if you tell a black person that they have diabetes, they already have their own idea of what they think diabetes is and what it means. Mm-hmm. And they're probably going to tell you immediately. They're like, oh man, my grandma had diabetes and they cut off her legs and she had to go to this place to, you know, drain her blood every other day. And, you know, cause they'll start because to them, diabetes equals whatever their experience has been, right? Mm-hmm. Then you might get the t- then you might get a whole other side of the coin. You might get a patient that's like, hey, I've kind of heard the word, but I don't know what that means. Like, tell me what it means. Do I need to do something or what am I doing? So I think you have to meet the patient where they're at. And then, you know, and some people are all with the dramatics and they're just like, oh, this is a death wish. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, you know, reel it in a little bit. Like it's, I mean, it can be depending, but I mean, like, let's, you know, So I think you have to meet them where they're at and then try your best to also like, it's to me, it's a nice mix. It's a mix of counseling. Like, Hey, I'm going to like guide you through this. I'm also informing you, but I also want to empower you, you know, to make healthy changes. So I think it's a balance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me make a point. We currently are talking about type two diabetes just for a point of clarification that is different from type one diabetes. So Type 1 diabetes is not the same as type 2. Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease. The pancreas comes under attack. You have a very specific treatment plan for that. It typically happens in very young people or this kind of mid, mid-young kind of young people for lots of different reasons. Their treatment plan is different. Um, Their side effects are not that different, but can happen earlier because of the type of diabetes they have. We are not talking about them. Let's move them off to the side. We are talking about type two diabetes, which really is a disease of the diet. It's a disease of the lifestyle and diet Mm -hmm. in type Mm -hmm. two diabetes. You have gotten to the point where. Your body's ability to tuck away the sugar in the cells. That really power is that's the energy source for most cells. Your ability to tuck away all the sugar that's in your blood nicely has run out. Like you simply can't use all the sugar that's floating around in your system. And the problem with sugar floating around in your system, that's how you get all those side effects, right? You get the blindness and the amputation, and the kidney failure and the vascular disease and the heart disease because it just does damage mm-hmm. to places when it's not in the cell. Um, and I think that's important for people to know, because I've heard, I, I mean, I've heard so many different things. Like, sometimes people talk about like a rite of passage. Oh, man, I knew it was my time. Josh, my, my mom had it. My yeah, that's
2: true. I get that too. They're like, well, you got me. I'm right. like, what? <laughs> right. yes. what?
0: Yes. What you mean? Because I mean, you know, there's some element that it runs in the, tends to run in families. So they kind of feel like, they're gonna.
2: No, but I mean, it does run in yeah. families. Don't get me wrong; there is a genetic component, but there's also right. lifestyle, exactly like lifestyle habits running families too. Exactly. So let's, you know, exactly, exactly. But
1: like you said, I think you have to meet them where they are because mm-hmm. I have to correct the senses. I'm like. What you mean is that you have learned to eat the same way your mother and your grandmother and your great grandmother and your dad and your cousins and your uncles have learned to eat. Thus, you've gotten the same thing they've gotten. But they are like a lot of my a lot of my patients, a lot of people that I know, they're sincere when they're like, dang, it got me like I was, you know, I was running fast as I could, but (laughs) it just kind of ran me down and it hopped on me. And now I've got this (laughs) diabetes. And some people really do um, see it like that. Mm hmm it's, it's, um, it's, it's hard. And, you know, diagnosis is really just the, just the start of it. Right. Because this is really interesting um, to diagnose someone may give you a uh, early awareness, but it doesn't necessarily prevent the in-organ failure. So awareness in itself doesn't get it. There's a lot of people that are aware they have diabetes, but they can't help but be running down the, the lane of dialysis or heart attacks or strokes, and so the first part is knowing and because you know, like Doctor Sunshine said, meeting people where they are and giving you the time it's going to take to change your lifestyle. That takes some time, right? Mm-hmm. We we are humans. Like I like ice cream and cookies, right? I I, I like French fries and fast food. I understand it's going to be a a transition period. Like you're not going... Some people, some people get really scared, right? That something happens. They end up in a hospital. They get diagnosed with diabetes. It's really traumatic. And sometimes those people come out and they're like, forget that. Where are the vegetables? But that's not the most people... (laughs) Most people get. That. I do. they be like, "I'm done." Like, I don't know what that was. You know why? Because
2: but- Doctor Nono done scared them in the hospital. Right. Doctor Nono.
1: Where the
3: vegetables? came with a sugar of 800. I'm like, sir. Oh, 800.
1: Oh my god. I'm like,
3: nah. We got to change something. You better yeah. pick up some veggies when you get out of here. it <laughs> yeah, right. And by the time Doctor Nono gets done with them, they're like,
1: "Hey, yeah, I was in the hospital. It was a rough go. Um, but since I left, <laughs> I have had grilled salmon." <laughs> Asparagus and a quarter of a sweet potato. That's I'm it. Only eat that
3: every other day. yeah, them up for y'all. That's yeah,
1: all. like <laughs> they, they're those people that are scared, but that's not the majority of people. Nor is it the the end of the story, right? Like it's one of two things. People get scared straight, and they have this honeymoon where they're perfect. They're so they're so compliant. They're disciplined. The numbers are going down. They feel great without fail almost in everybody's course they're gonna slip they may not slip forever but they're gonna slip there's gonna be this moment where you come back and all of a sudden that beautiful a1c of 6.2 they're gonna come back and you'll be like 8.3 like what are you doing like what happened they're like oh man oh, it all started with this party and ever since then i can't get off these hot dogs and you're just like ah. Oh. <laughs> but most people are like Ooh, I got an elevated A1C. Okay, let me let me work on it, and that can take months or years. The hard part is is that your body's time for failure and your ability to change your lifestyle do not do not always match. So the negotiation is not with me or you. The negotiation really is that I don't know if you'll have a heart attack tomorrow with the with the seven point something A1C. Right. So you might have a heart attack and you got a 7.0 and the person with the 13.2 will be walking around, not feeling anything. It's, it's just the worst kind of, it's the worst kind of scenario. So, you know, you gotta know what you, you gotta know what you're looking like.
0: Yeah. I think, um, I, I, I agree with you. I have the whole spectrum of patients and it's, it's kind of like, they're going through like, like somebody died, like a mourning phase, right? It's like they're mourning what their life used to be and know that they have to make a change, but it's kind of like they haven't accepted that they have to make the change. So it's like they're going through all of the phases of grief, right? Like denial, <laughs> like <laughs> sadness, bargaining, yes. right? And, yeah. and then you finally get to acceptance, right? And it's like, for some people, it can go kind of fast. And for some people, it just takes much longer to get there. Right. And really. And like you said, it's about the diet. You have to make change. Like I'll share with you for me. Like I was diagnosed with diabetes years ago and when I got that diagnosis, I'm not going to lie. Y'all. I, I was like, oh man, like I was really sad. I was really depressed because I was just like, wow. Like how did I get here? Right. And now I have to change everything, how I eat and everything that I do. And basically all I did was change my diet and I lost the weight. And I was, I've been good. I haven't been on medication, but now you Gucci, Gucci, <laughs> but not really. Cause I know <laughs> <laughs> I can't, right. I can't fall off. Right. Because I got there before I could get there can again. get there again. Yeah. So, and that's another thing that I think people don't realize, like you can, and I made the changes and I made some drastic changes in the beginning, but then I learned to still eat how I want, but make mod- like make adjustments and modify portion control like still eat the things I like, but just dont do- don't overdo it,
2: yeah,
3: like you yeah. bring up a great point, Dr. Chris, that you know when you get diabetes like in the very beginning, it's you're scared like you don't know what to do, um like you said, like you know you're grieving your your past life, but you know, getting diabetes is not a terminal diagnosis. Like, I feel like the way some people talk about it, it's like you got like metastatic cancer of some sort and like your life is over tomorrow. Like, it's not like that at all. There, you know, if you make the modifications to your diet, you know, if you, you know, incorporate exercise into your your regimen and just make it a habit, you know, there's a lot of people who are originally started on these medications that can eventually come off of them because their numbers are so good. So when we put you on the medications, if you come into the office with of like an A1C of 16, you know, and you start out on these medications, you're like, man, I gotta take these all forever. Like, you know, what is this? Like, is this my life now? Blah, blah blah. It's not. It's not like that. You know, if you make those adjustments to your lifestyle, into your diet, and we're not talking about going from a straight up carnivore to veganism overnight. Like, it's it's not like that at all. Amy Jo made it seem like I'm turning y'all into vegans after you're discharged from the hospital. I'm not about that. But um, I mean, it's just if you make little changes here and there and you add up and you make it part of your daily routine, then you'll, you'll barely recognize like what's, you know, the changes that you're making. And it won't seem so forced. And then once you do that for a long enough time, the numbers will start to drop. You can come off your medications and everything is hunky dory. It's great.
2: Y'all, y'all are gonna think I'm crazy. And y'all might think I'm being a little extreme. But when I'm talking to my patients about diabetes and lifestyle changes, a lot of the counseling that I do is actually very similar to the counseling that I do for addicts, like my drug addicts for my patients that are trying to quit smoking. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my approach is very similar. And every now and then you also get some patients that are harder on themselves than I am on them because sometimes they get the diagnosis for diabetes and they want to fix it fast. Mm -hmm. And they'll like, they're like, I changed this. I did this. Why isn't it working? Boom, boom, boom. I'm like, listen, this isn't like a short-term thing. This isn't like, Oh, I got the diagnosis. I'm scared. I'm gonna flip it real quick. I'm like, that's not what this is. I'm like, and sometimes even when they've been doing well for a long time, sometimes they'll fall off the wagon. And those patients who are really proud of themselves and they're like, I've been doing the right thing. I saw the numbers go down. Sometimes when they fall off, they get so devastated by it. It like almost like they go through a small depression because Mm -hmm. they're like, I thought I had it. Like, I thought I figured it out. And here I am again. And they get devastated. And I have to tell them, I'm like, you know, this is like. This is going to be like an ongoing thing. And you might have some relapses, but that's okay. You know, you can, you know, I've armed you with the information and the education and you know how to get back on track. And it's going to be something for the rest of your life that you're going to have to maintain. And it's going to be an ebb and a flow. And ultimately- I'm going to be here for your journey anyway. Like as your PCP, I'm here on the journey with you. But you have to really talk to them about like, this isn't a one-time fix. This is an ongoing lifestyle change and you have to keep up with it. And, it's, and, and I kind of phrase it that way. And those patients that get really, really depressed about that relapse, you know, now you have to deal with the emotional aspect of it. You got to help them get back on track. And sometimes they relapse for different reasons. Sometimes they're stressed. Sometimes they have a new partner and their new partner doesn't eat well. Right. Yep. So now you're cooking for a partner who has all the bad habits that you tried so hard to break your whole life. And now you have a new partner and you fell off, you know, or maybe you just had a kid and you don't have the time to cook and you're, everybody has these things that make them fall off. So I think it's a, it's an ongoing thing you have to, you have to maintain. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm.
1: that's talking off the ledge part is serious. I, 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 I have been there before where where people are like almost stress eating coming to their appointment because they they have a fear that they're not in their like regular routine. And so they're so scared that the next A1C they get is going to be elevated. And I always have to tell them, like, listen, this is fine. You can change this in three months. Right. From from three months or three month increments, we can always be looking at a different picture. And so you're right. The name of the game isn't get a good A1C and keep it exactly right there forever. Some people can do it. I'll tell y'all, if I was diabetic, I would not be able to do it. Like there would definitely be relapses in my whole thing. (laughs) But the question would be like, can I keep it under, maybe I've got a goal. Like as long as it doesn't get over here because I can allow some fluctuation between my stress and everything. I think what happens is, the, the people I, I'm scared of the most are the people who like got a got a diagnosis like Dr. Chris was saying back 15 years ago. Somebody told them back then that they need to wash their, their their blood sugars and t- years have passed. Now they're now you you're finally showing back up because your feet feel a little funny. You know, they feel a little slippery. They've been burning. You don't know what that's about. Um, your eyes a little blurry, you know penis ain't working like it should you know it's just a little off right not that it's broken but just like man i was trying to you know get get with my old lady and i'm just man i don't i don't know they show up and you realize there's been years 10 15 years where they nobody's checked on their blood sugars they haven't checked it they've been aware of it but nobody's checked it and now it's like 16 when maybe back then it was like 6.4 like that's the that's the hard part. Those fluctuations are not what Dr. Sunshine is talking about. Mm-hmm. She is talking about oh, I looked great at six point five. Oh dang, I'm a seven point three. How do I get mm-hmm. this back together? Can let me get back down. That's what we're talking about. Fluctuations that stay in the hundredth or no more than a point swing. Things that start to swing two, three, four, five, ten points. That is, that's dangerous because that will, that's how you end up killing your your organs. Um, so I'm kind of different from Dr. Sunshine. I'm, I'm way intense when it comes to diabetes. Like I am like in your face, like, let's do it. I am honest with my, with my patients that that's who I am. Um, most of them like it. Some of them don't. Some of them move on. That's fine. But on the flip side, I do a lot of stuff that I know, Everybody ain't doing right. I read food journals, right? You can send them to me. I'll read them. I'll mark them up. I'll try to find ways to stick with what you like. And can we, you know, adjust any of that? So I read journals. I, you know, will I, I do the counseling sessions. Well, what if we can do this? Right. I, I do PAs for medications. Girl, I do all kind of stuff. I feel
2: like the I feel like the visit is half psych sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> because even because even when I'm even when I'm talking about your diabetes, I'm always the one where I'm like, I'm trying to get to the bottom of this. I'm like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Like why are we doing this? Why are we eating like this? What's your barrier? Do you not? Are you in a food desert? Like, what are your habits? Are you stressed? Are you short for time? Like, I'm like digging, trying to figure out like, what is it? But that also, you know, in terms of like doctors and our visits, that takes time, Mm y'all. Like, that takes time that I got to talk to you and figure out where, where are you going wrong in your life to help you try to address it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because
0: all of that is important. Because if you Let's say I prescribe the medication for you and you can't afford it. Right? right. And you're not and I'm telling find me out
1: till 3 months later. Right.
0: Or you're on these medications and guess what, you didn't get your refill, but you forgot to ask me for the refill. Why is that? What's happening? So then it just changes things. So it's kind of like what are we doing? We got to figure out what's the problem so we can fix it so we can get get you well controlled because like Amy, Joe, and Dee was saying, if you're not well controlled, then it just increases your risk of all the organ failure things that can happen: your strokes, your heart attacks, your amputations. You know, and it's devastating. Mm-hmm. Like if you, I mean, losing a limb—like no one really thinks about it, but it's a lot to lose a
3: limb.
2: And I'll and I'll be honest. I I do I am aware that my approach is different than Amy Joe's approach, but I want to let the listeners know. That doctors have different styles and different approaches, but we want the outcome to be the yes, same. Yeah. And eventually, and and once I form a relationship with you, I transition from the Doctor Sunshine approach to the to the Amy Jo M D approach because it because it all because every patient's different, right? And every A one C is different. So there are some patients where I can give you a little grace. I can give you a little grace. You're going through a lot. You know, a lot. You're going through a divorce. You, you know, patients are going through stuff. The pandemic, loss of job. I ain't got no much stuff, right? We get it. But at the end of the day, as your PCP, we care about you and we don't want you to get amputations and we want you to live a happy, a healthy life and see your grandkids and see your great grandkids and not have to worry about heart disease. And I'm on dialysis. Ultimately, we're saying all of these things because we care.
1: Yeah. And I transitioned to more of a Dr. Sunshine over the time, right? Like in the beginning, I'm very like intense. What, what the hell is happening here? (laughs) Like, what are you doing? Like, we need to change this. Like, ain't nobody got time for this. Um, Ain't nobody got top
2: of this <laughs> and then you
1: know and then over the course of it like when things are chilling out I'm like
0: oh my god yes let's
1: sing songs oh, I'm so happy so you know I will definitely um ease off and then I kind of get more into like this is okay this is fine like we're good I just um you know as black doctors you end up no matter where you go you always end up getting a gang of black patients. No matter what state you live in, what city, urban, rural, whatever, I think we could all agree, and you guys cor- correct me i I feel like my black patients seem to be some of the most prolonged to diagnosis people that I've ever met. like when you actually start getting into it with them and you start talking, you realize, dang, you have been showing signs of diabetes or there was something that should have triggered us. 10 years ago, right? 15 years ago and and you think this is an exaggeration but you start listening to the story and you realize man this person has had diabetes for a very long time. And I've got young people that um are blind, like are legally blind and I think, well, how do we get here? Yeah. With insurance. With good insurance. Um, I, you know, I come from my training, my background, I take care of a lot of people that didn't have insurance or were underinsured or undocumented. And I think in my mind, I could make that make sense. Even though I was sad about the outcome, I understood that maybe you didn't know how to get into the healthcare system if you didn't have insurance. But as we transition out of, you know, the Cook County health system and into community medicine, We, we, you know, and the marketplace is there. These are insured people that are still going blind, that are still having foot amputations, that are still going on dialysis. And I feel that panic. It's hard for me to not take it personally. And so when we first get started, I want to make sure we all understand why I am so stressed. Like, Mm -hmm. you're going to know what I know. You're going to know why I'm
0: scared so that we can get this party started. Let Mm -hmm. me ask you guys this question, because I have met some of those patients. I have one patient in particular. I've had a hard time convincing this patient to just take their medications. Like, this patient has been a diabetic and so not well-controlled for many years. And I think part of it, too, is they haven't had uh, any of the complications from diabetes. Right. So I think part of it is because yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, you know, it's high, but I got to have my sodas. I got to do this. I got to do that. Like they don't want to make the dietary changes that is necessary, which we know if you did that and you took your meds, you'd be Gucci. Right. But Mm -hmm. it's just like you always come they always come when like oh something's going on i'm tired a lot i think my sugars are high and then you show them and they're like yeah it is and you know this but they just don't do anything about it and it's just like they come to see you though not really Mm -hmm. all, not that regular but they still come and it's just like you talk to them and it's just like listen, you know, this can happen, but I think the issue is that since they didn't really have the complications, not the stroke, not, like, an ulcer on their toe.
2: uh Yet. This is yet. Right. It's but yet. it's yet. yet. Right?
0: <laughs> but it hasn't happened, but they've been going on like this for years.
2: And nothing. You <laughs> know, you know, you know, you know what's interesting? I gotta, listen, to be real with you, I have a whole different tone of the visit when I do encounter those patients mm-hmm. as well. I let them. I let them come in and let them say what's wrong with them. And I be like, Mister Jackson, do you know why this is happening? And probably be like, Ah, oh, yeah, you know, it's the diabetes. I'm like, Right. So, so what are we gonna do about that? I I, I use a lot of we's, it's, even though it's not we. It's actually you. What? When you say we, and when you say a we, it makes it. it makes it a little less like. <laughs> but, you know, right. I'm like. So I'm like, oh, so you know, it's your diabetes, right? Cool, cool. So what are what are we gonna do about that? Oh, uh, he'll probably say something like, "Oh man, I just wanted to stop." I'm like, "Right, right. I really want that for you too. So, what are we gonna do about that?" <laughs> that's that's literally
3: all oh, I got. I, I, I do, do that, it.
2: especially when you've already armed them, which you've aren't when you've already armed them with the information, and when you give them the information, you're like, "Oh, I already know that. I know that. I know that." I'm like, "Okay, so what? What's our action item? Like, what do you what do you think we should do?"
1: Especially in my approach, you know, one of the things that's been a humbling experience is as a, as a physician reassessing myself, right. Mm -hmm. To say you can't reach them. Yeah. Right. And it's such a hard, it's such a hard stop line because you get in your mind, like I'm trying to do all these things, right. Like I know that my general approach to fixing your diabetes um, is to do it in a way that means as little insulin as possible so that it doesn't conflict with our weight loss goals. Um, medicines that give you minimum side effects, You know, trying to be flexible on all these things, and then trying to tie, tie the lifestyle in to see, can we, as we approve the lifestyle, titrate down the medications? Like that's, that's in my mind, is it? And I know that that philosophy is the way to go. But just because I know that that's the way to go and I know that that would be the absolute best outcome, it doesn't mean I'm gonna reach you. And so as I have continued to practice medicine, one of the things that I've had to learn is, hey, there is no sense in giving all this tough love and beating up on this person when you're not reaching them. You're gonna have to give it to the specialist, right? And so I have probably done more, And I don't do a lot of them, but I've probably done more referrals to like the endocrinologist or the nutritionist or diabetes education. Well, diabetes education, they can get that anyway, but have been doing it kind of earlier um, to say like, hey, maybe my voice isn't working. Maybe you need a new voice. And it's important. I think that people hear that because. In their minds, they think, "Man, I'm in here, you know, wrestling with my doctor and all this kind of stuff." But as a physician, I'm con- I'm all even after you leave out, even if our whole encounter was just not productive, I'm still walking out thinking, "Man, I, I missed the mark on that. Like, how do I? What What can we do next?" And so, a few people that I've sent to endocrinology, and of course, they end up getting put on a bunch of insulin. But you know what, the A1C is down, and. They'll figure out the lifestyle down the line. And so I have to convince myself that what's important is that when we get some control over your diabetes while you work on the lifestyle, and that'll catch up on the back end. And so this move is important.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: So, y'all, listen, please, if you have ever seen, even if your blood sugars weren't 126, if you've ever seen an elevated blood sugar on your lab, or you are 40 and up and overweight, or you are less than 40 and you've got significant like family history or anything like that, please call and make an appointment with your primary care doctor. Um, if you are too scared to go, you can even go to the drugstore and get your own glucometer, wake up one morning and prick your finger. Most of us have some family member that had diabetes. And we've all seen it happen, but they've got great instructions. If you want to prick your finger in the morning, see what your First thing in the morning, fasting blood sugars are. You can do it that way. And if you see a number that's concerning, bring it to your doctor. They will answer the question. But just about everybody these days, even regardless of what guideline you're following, just about everybody these days needs to get their glucose screened um, once a year, especially if you're 40 and up um if you have perfectly healthy um a healthy lifestyle you got no risk factors you've never seen an elevated blood sugar in day of your life then you can be in that unique group that gets this green once every three years but the rest of us are really once a year because we've got at least one risk factor that's going to um mean something so get tested my friends
2: In regards to the questions, we're going to do one question today. All right. Um, we're going to do one that's a little different and I like it. So I'm going to read it. It says, are the four of you active in your communities regarding getting more women of color to be doctors? If so, can you recommend any organizations for young girls of color to enroll in if they aspire to be doctors like yourselves? Hey, hmm.
3: got you. So I am based in Chicago. <laughs> Yo, wait for this. was a great question? You're like, like, yes. yes. Thank you reader um or listener sorry um so in chicago um i am you will probably find me on insta whatever but in chicago i'm part of the um there is actually a medical association that a lot of uh, black pre-meds you know start out with in undergrad and that's called the uh, student national medical association um the you kind of, get, you get more involved with that. They have like, like pre-med chapters that are in your undergrad if you go to college. Um, and then once you kind of get into medical school, you join your SMMA, which is the Student National Medical Association. And then outside of that, when you become a grown-up attending, um, you, you become part of the National Medical Association. Um, the National Medical Association, um, the Cook County Physician Association is that component for Chicago. And we actually do a lot of outreach with the uh, pre-meds and also the people coming up in high school who want to become doctors. And our big focus is that we want to make more um, black doctors in all specialties. And we do a lot of encouraging activities to kind of get them there. In addition to that, we also have the I Am Able program, which is only based in Chicago. um, But they do a really cool summer um, externship program, which I believe anyone can apply to. Um, and that's headed up by Dr. Conway, who does a lot of great things for um, the community in Chicago. Um, but if you those are some of the organizations that we work with. But if you kind of want to, like, you know, kind of get into the realm of medicine, you don't know much about it. Um, there are a lot of uh, getting involved, with, like community service within your um Uh, community, like doing volunteer work with a local shelter, um, working, actually looking at the hospitals that you uh, go to and seeing if they have volunteer opportunities on staff to kind of get acclimated to what it is like to work in the hospital setting or even with primary care. Those opportunities are everywhere. Um, But there's a lot of of, uh, great organizations headed up by people of color because we understand there is a very wide dearth of Black physicians. I think we only, what, what was the number? Like 2% mm-hmm. um, at least a couple of months ago. Um, so we definitely have a lot of work to do. Um, you know, and this this problem is not is not new um, and it's still ongoing. Like for my medical school, I was the only uh, Black female uh, to graduate in a class of about 130 plus. So it's, it's a lot of work that still needs to be done. And we really encourage anyone to uh, reach out and feel free to dm us um, or send us emails and i can send you personally a couple of organizations you can look at um that can kind of get you more involved with uh, medicine and all that stuff so sorry it's a passionate topic of mine so if y'all had something else to say i'm sorry
1: listen dr nodo has been on it I, right. can, I can attest that she is on it
2: Chocolate kisses. Chocolate kisses. I don't know what Dr. Chris is trying to show me. got to go to the
3: game. That's what she's trying to show.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's why I said chocolate kisses. It's the last segment. You can go first. What's your chocolate kiss? Go ahead. I I didn't didn't think about that yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm a little bit of the slacker in the group. I'm sorry. I'm the slacker. (laughs) You are nuts. They're
1: this just slacker. My kiss goes out to, she, she's not listening, but my kiss goes out to one of my coworkers um, who um, covered my box and even, you know, they cleared out that that notification list. I hate that list. that has got all like the hospital follow-ups and everything and they come in your box so fast that they like kind of bubble over before you get a chance. And she cleared out my box for me. I was like, God bless your ministry. I, I mean, just chocolate kisses to her because- I know. I I look at it all the time. And so, you know, she cut down a big chunk of it and I was like, Oh my
3: gosh, thank you so much. So chocolate kisses to her. I think my chocolate kiss goes out to, Hmm. Oh, I think it won. So I, I was walking around going to see patients in the ER and I've had at least, you know, it's not a lot of, um, you know, melanated folks in that community, but you know, when you do get a couple admitted, they do recognize you. Um, and I was walking around the unit and this uh, one of the clerks who was typing at the computer, she literally stopped what she was doing, looked at me. I was like, girl, I love your hair. And I'm like, I haven't done this in like two months, but thank you. Appreciate it. Um, and then I, <laughs> I admitted a couple uh really funny uh, black couple. They're like, man, what are you doing? Your hair is so long. So it's so pretty. And I'm like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Um. You know, and those little things, Just they just kind of, you know, when people point that out, it's, I, I feel like it kind of, you know, makes me all warm and fuzzy inside. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, my hair looking real hit, so I'm getting it done on Friday. But um, I think for that people to say that and to point that out, you know, really, really kind of makes my day. So thank you to the clerk and to the very funny couple that I admitted. I hope you guys are doing good. So.
2: My, ch- my chocolate kiss is is very simple. My chocolate kiss is going to go out to anybody in general that is working in the service industry. I feel like I've been um I've been out and about a little more than I normally have been because um I have allowed myself to leave the house. In terms of just people who work at like restaurants and people that depend on tips and even people who work at small places like bakeries and ice cream shops and just with the increase in traffic, you know, foot traffic now as like. COVID is waning and things like that. They're starting to get like the numbers they're used to seeing and people being demanding and their face all over again. And a lot of them I've been coming in contact with recently when I've been out and about, have been very cheerful and just, you know, just good spirited. And I feel like that's been missing (laughs) for a very long time. So just shout out to anybody in a service industry who depends on tips and who depends on the kindness of raggedy Americans to, uh, (laughs) to get them Mm -hmm. through life. That's Mm -hmm. all. (laughs) Because we can be raggedy sometimes. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I thought of my chocolate kiss.
3: (laughs) Oh, we've been anxiously awaiting. (laughs) Anxiously awaiting
0: for my chocolate kiss. Okay, so my chocolate kiss goes to my office manager because the other day, I think it was last week. Oh,
2: she needs a kiss. You told me about her. She
0: needs a kiss for real. Because it was doctor's day last week. And and she... Had me, she came, she called me over first because she's like, you're my favorite doctor, which I don't know if she tells that to everybody, but it's fine. i take a compliment. I love it. (laughs) So I'm going to go with it. And she got me a cupcake. uh, She got me um, a muffin. And she also bought me a plant. And She said, I got you a plant that you can't kill, and I was like, You know me so well. Oh, she's my favorite. <laughs> <That's so> <laughs> <sweet>. <laughs> By
3: far, ah, you know me. Your favorite, oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, that's awesome! She that probably got you a cactus. No, actually,
0: she got me a succulent. <laughs> it's really hard to kill them.
2: It's a, a, a cactus is a succulent.
3: <laughs> it is, yeah.
2: yeah. For real?
0: It is. Girl, if yeah. you kill that, I'm about to. I die killed alive. a cactus before, so it's possible.
1: Wow, that's depressing.
0: I
3: am impressive thank you <laughs> check us out on our website at www.thechocolatemds.com uh, also on our social media we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at our handle which is at thechocolatemds and also send your questions either via our website or our gmail which is thechocolatemds at gmail.com alright y'all it has been lovely people it's been real next Oh my...